Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Well, as I said, we're, we're bringing this to a close today. So the, the last piece of that prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is where we're going to be uh, spending our time. This idea of temptation. We are, we're also in the season of Lent um, as we are preparing ourselves for uh, Easter. We're preparing ourselves for that holy week of Good Friday and Easter. It's a season of prayer. Um, last Sunday, we gave out uh, these prayer booklets uh, called Why Pray 40 Days, a little devotional every day for the next 40 days. If you didn't get one of those, there's some extras out on the welcome table. You can grab one on your way out. They are free. It's for you. Join with us in prayer. But all of this kicked off a few weeks ago uh, on Ash Wednesday as we gathered in this room for kind of a, a self-guided time of prayer. Um, and as we enter into Ash Wednesday every year, I, the question has always been, what are you going to give up for Lent? And I say, Lent, don't ask that question. I don't, I don't care. Like, I, don't, I don't give a rip what you're going to give up for Lent. Here, here's what I want you to think about. What exists in your life right now? What's the thing that exists in your life right now that can no longer exist if you're going to come after Jesus? If you're going to become more like him, what's the thing that you need to give up in order to become more like Jesus? And every year on Ash Wednesday, we wrestle with that question. And in the back of the room, maybe you saw when you came in or you've seen it over the past few weeks since Ash Wednesday, there's a number of cards hung up in the back with a little ash cross on them. And that's the answer to the question for people in this room. People who came on Ash Wednesday, they answered the question, they wrote it down on a card, and then they, they took their finger and they dipped it into the ash. The ash is actually the burnt cards from last year. Where we say, no, see, we say, man, God, you have, you have answered these prayers. You've empowered us to give up these things, to turn away from evil and turn towards you. And would you do it again? The cross has empowered us. The cross will empower us again. And I believe that's true. But as I read those cards, I'm awakened to the reality that there are great temptations in this room. When I read those cards, I see people who are tempted with lust and pornography, people who are tempted with Anger and self-serving, eating disorders and addictions and alcohol, pride and jealousy. Those are our temptations. Those are the, your words. They're my words. Those are the things that we're facing on a daily basis. And so when we come to the end of the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil, man, I come to this re realization that, man, we need this prayer. Every moment of every day, we need this prayer. And it's not like the closer you get to Jesus, the easier it becomes. That's not how it works. The closer you get to Jesus, the, the more real this becomes, the deeper it becomes, right? When you first cross the line of faith, you first put your faith in Jesus, right? There's a number of like low-hanging fruit of sin, right? No pun intended, fruit, sin, never mind. Uh, and it's like, it's, there's this low-hanging fruit. It's like, oh, man, of course I can easily turn away from those things as I turn towards Jesus. And instantly people in your life are like, man, you've changed. Right? It's because all this, like, like low-hanging fruit is like gone. It's like all these like little sins, all these little things, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you think, right? it's all gone. And the more you are transformed into the likeness of Jesus, 
the deeper he's got to dig into your soul and into your life and unearth the reason behind those things. I, I, I don't care about your addiction. I care about, man, at the core of who you are, what is it that you're trying to control that's driving that addiction? What is it at the core of who you are that's driving that eating disorder? What at the core of who you are is driving that anger? Why, is, why does anger ooze out of you when you're stressed and when you're, when you're upset? Like, why is that your reaction? And Jesus begins to pull back the layers and deeper and deeper and deeper he goes. It becomes more painful. And, and, and we need to cry out more and more and more and more. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I need you. I need you more than I need anything in the world. And the reality, that's why it comes at the end of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is like this ladder that's taking us deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into ourself. And we come to the end where we say, where we say man, I, I've, I've drawn near in this intimacy with the Father. I've been dependent on Him for daily bread. I've worked with Him in order to produce forgiveness. And now we cry out, keep me here. I know that my heart is prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love, as the hymn says. I need you to keep me here. As the psalmist says in Psalm 84, verse 10, he says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Keep me here. Even if I'm just a doorkeeper, if I get to like poke my head in, as people go in, like, I would rather be there than anywhere else. I just want to be near to you. Yet we know that left to ourselves, we will wander away. Left to ourselves, temptation will pull us away. And so we pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. What I want you to see this morning is this. We are dependent on God for daily deliverance. We're dependent on God every moment of every day for daily deliverance. We need him to keep us where he has brought us. I've talked to you guys over the past few weeks, and as we walk through formation, and we begin to put intimacy over action, and you've been, you've been moved towards intimacy with God, and as, you've, as we've walked into prayer, and you've developed this, this prayer life, it's been more robust and more beautiful than anything you've experienced in your life, and now we come to this place where we say, man, I need you to keep me where you have brought me. If I'm going to be kept in the presence of God, I need him to daily deliver me from the temptations that will lure me away. But there's a problem with this language. We don't really like it. Do you? Lead me not into temptation. What does that mean? Does that mean that God leads us into temptation? And I, I don't like that idea very much. In fact, we don't like it at all. Pope Francis, the Pope, uh, uh, current Pope of the Catholic Church, Maybe, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. You probably don't unless you're our Catholic. Uh, a few years ago, he actually changed the language. He didn't like it. He was like, Mom, I don't like the way that makes me feel. Um, so he just changed it. I guess the Pope can do that. Um, so no longer does the Catholic Church say, uh, lead me not into temptation. But they say, don't allow us to fall into temptation. Don't, don't allow me to be tempted, right? And so, man, I'm just not comfortable with the language. So I just changed it. I guess the Pope can do that. Not the first time the Pope has been uncomfortable with the Word of God and therefore changed it. Um, probably not the last. It is funny, but at the same time, it's not because you would do the same thing. It's weird. We don't like it. 
I don't like the idea that God is maybe the one that is leading me into temptation, that God is the one that's bringing sorrow and suffering into my life. And yet there it is, clear as day in, in his word, that word lead into, asphoro in the Greek, to cause someone to enter in, to bring to, to cause or to lead. There's no question when we actually look at this text, Jesus is calling his followers to daily pray, Father, do not lead me into or cause me to become tempted, but rather you deliver me. But what's more is the rest of the Bible. The rest of the Bible, there's parts of the Bible that seem to contradict this idea. Scholars or people who say, man, God doesn't tempt us, immediately go to James 1. In fact, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and flip there. James 1 is where we're going to camp out for a little bit today. There's a lot of work we need to do in James 1. James 1, verse 13. Our staff team here at Flourishing Grace has been memorizing James 1 uh, together. And so that's, that's my permission to you to quiz them whenever you want. Just be like, give me James 1, all right, whenever, whenever you want. Actually, Taylor's going to come up here and give us James 1, 13. Come on, just kidding. James 1, 13. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am being tempted by God, for God cannot tempt, be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. There it is. He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire, and then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. If God does not tempt anyone, as James says, then how does he lead us into temptation? How does this work? You see, today I want to help us pray this prayer rightly. I want us to know what we're praying when we pray the Lord's Prayer, not just recite some line that we've memorized. I want us to know what we're praying when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Because there's a wall in the back of the room that declares that we need this. We need this prayer in our lives. But in order to explain it, we've got to get down into this. i got to nerd out on you for a little bit this morning. This is not something I would normally do, but I think we have to understand this a little bit more than we understand it. You see, as I've studied this over the past couple of weeks, I've seen pastors and, and brilliant theologians kind of do some like exegetical acrobatics, right? Like kind of be like, well, it's kind of like this, or maybe, maybe it's like this, or maybe it's like that, right? Very few actually give a good job of explaining this. And, and the problem lies in, in this word for temptation. In the Greek, it's peirazo. Peirazo means temptation. But the problem with peirazo is that it also means something else all at the same time. It has multiple definitions. And so you have to look at the context of the text in order to figure out which peirazo is the author using. Let me show you. So peirazo means, here's one definition as I looked it up in the Greek lexicon. Yeah, I said lexicon. I told you I was going to nerd out. So you might as well just get over it and come on with me for a second. Peirazo means this, to, ende to endeavor or attempt to cause someone to sin. Therefore, we translate it to tempt, to trap to lead into temptation, temptation, peirazo, temptation. At the same time, in the same lexicon, there's another definition. To try to learn the nature or character of someone or something by submitting such to thorough and extensive testing. So we translate it to test, 
to examine, to put to the test, examination and testing. It's the same word in the Greek, two different definitions, two different meanings. We use it both ways in the Bible. In fact, in our, what we use here at Flourishing Grace, the English Standard Version, the ESV, it's slightly more, we use it slightly more in the sense of testing versus tempting, but it's almost equal. The number of times that it's translated tempting as it is testing. And so what's going on here? Well, we could just stop right there and say, see, Jesus is saying God doesn't lead us into tempting. He leads us into testing. There's a difference. God would never tempt us. Done and done. Let's move on with life. But I think there's a little bit more of a problem there. The rest of James chapter 1. James 1 verse 2 and 3 reads this way. James says, count it. All joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. That word right there is perazo. Trials, temptations of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That word testing is actually a different Greek word. Do I have time to get into that this morning? James 1.12, the verse right before James says, he himself tempts no one. James says this, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under, there it is again, perazo, trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Crown of life sounds like a good thing. Sounds like something that I would want. How do I go about getting it? I remain steadfast under temptations. I remain steadfast under trial. So blessed is the man who remains steadfast under perazo. Sounds like a good thing. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet Perazzo of various kinds. Sounds like a good thing. And yet God does not Perazzo anyone. He doesn't do it. So why, why wouldn't he do it? Because it's, it's a good thing, right? It's a, it's a good thing. But then Jesus says, pray that God would not lead you into Perazzo. So is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I don't, I don't know. Do you see the exegetical conundrum that we are in? Some of you are like, I just need another cup of coffee. This is, I have no time. What is happening right now? We're done. I won't, I won't use any more crazy Greek stuff on you this morning. I just want you to see, this is complicated. It's complex. It's confusing. And if you, if you aren't very, very, very careful, you could easily slip into some, some bad theology, not quite understanding what we're being called to pray for here. But I want to help us understand this. Does, um, I think that the answer, the answer lies in James 1.13. We read it earlier. I'm going to read it again. But before we read it again, I want you to remember what I just told you. Perazzo has two different definitions. One is to lead someone into evil, to move them towards sin, right? To, to tempt them with sin. The other is to test them, to test their faith, to lead them into trial, so here's James 1.13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God himself cannot be tempted with what? Evil. So which one is it? Which one is it? Simple. James is giving us the answer. It is the tempting with evil, the tempting towards sin. This is what James is talking about. 
says, God cannot be tempted with evil. He can't be tempted that way. And he himself tempts no one that way. God does not lead anyone into evil. He does not tempt us with evil. But each person is tempted towards evil when he is lured or enticed by his own desire. The desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. God does not tempt us towards or with evil. He tempts or tests us with good things, but our selfish desire gets in the way of that. Eugene Peterson, uh, who is uh, one of the most Christ-like theologians who has maybe ever lived, um, Eugene Peterson translated the Bible. He gave us the message translation. Um, Eugene Peterson set out to say, man, how do I make the Bible accessible to everyone? Where like a child could read this and understand it in, in like, in the most profound way. And Peterson did an amazing job with this, specifically, specifically this morning on this verse in Matthew 6, right? That we, we don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Peterson translates that this way. He says, keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. And I think that this is exactly what Jesus is saying. Lead us not into temptation. Keep us safe from ourselves and deliver us from evil and the devil. Keep me safe from the devil. And so I want to just kind of walk through these two halves. First, keep us safe from ourselves. When God tempts us or tests us, our greatest danger is ourselves, our own desires. We're lured and enticed by our own desires. Our desires are the thing that are our greatest danger when God places a test in front of us. One of the only theologians that kind of takes this head on is John Owen. John Owen is the great Puritan preacher. Unbelievable. He literally wrote the book on sin and temptation. It's called Overcoming Sin and Temptation. And in the book, he, he has no problem using temptation and God in the same sentence, saying like God is the one doing this. He, he understands that the complexities of this Greek word. He says, it's fine. God does lay temptations before us, but not the way that Satan lays temptations before us. He goes on to talk about how God tests us to show himself to us. God is revealing himself through these tests and temptations. God tests us so that to show us that he renews grace on our behalf. Specifically, Owen says this. He says, it's like the power of an antidote, which is only revealed after a poison has been taken. The precious value of medicine is likewise known only by the diseased. Similarly, we shall never know the strength of God's grace until we experience temptation. What Owen is saying is this. He says, man, you know the power of God's grace when you experience the power of temptation. Not sin, not when you've given in to temptation, but when you are resisting with all of your might and you realize, I can't do this on my own. And God steps in and he begins to empower you. He places the gospel in front of you. He shows you his son who has died for you. He gives you an image of the great saints who have gone before you and empowers you to hold fast. Now you know the sweetness of the antidote. Now you know the power of his grace. You know the medicine, but you only know the medicine when you faced true temptation. God tempts us or tests us to reveal himself to us. Two ways in which we see this. God reveals himself and draws us near to him 
sometimes by putting heavy burdens or responsibilities, seemingly impossible tasks before us, which are counter to our own desires. The question then becomes, will we choose God or will we choose our own desire for ease, for rest, for passivity, for conformity? We see this most famously, perhaps, in the story of Abraham, Abraham and Isaac, right? God calls Abraham to sacrifice his own son. Brutal ask, right? A seemingly impossible task. Now, does God want Abraham to literally kill his son? No, of course not. God is putting a seemingly impossible task in front of him and says, will you love me more than you love your own son? What's the temptation? What fuels the temptation? Same thing that always fuels temptation. James tells us, right? His desire. What is Abraham's desire? My desire is to not kill my son. That sounds like a pretty good desire. I I would rather not do that. I I would rather not have to be the one who kills my son on the altar and sacrifice him to God. And so I'm tempted by, I'm lured and enticed by this desire, which is a good and right desire. But God has placed a seemingly impossible task in front of me. So what do I do? Do I love God more than I love my own son? Most of you probably know the story. Abraham is faithful to God. He binds his son. He lays him on the altar. He raises the knife. And right as he's about to plunge the knife into his boy, the angel of the Lord says, whoa, stop. I'm not going to let you do that. But because you have done this, because you have been faithful, I will surely multiply you. The blessing comes as he's been faithful to God. We see this again and again and again and again and again. When God says, Peter, feed my sheep, he places the weight of the church before him, knowing that there's going to be temptations and desires as Christ is crucified to abandon him, to go back to his old way of life. Will you love me more than you love yourself, more than you love your own desires? For some of us, we've experienced this. We just talked about the team that went to India Sometimes God says, I don't want you to just go to India for a week. I want you to go for the rest of your life. I want you to give yourself to missions. He places a burden on our heart for an unreached people group. And he says, go, go. Leave the comforts of your home. Leave your family. Leave your mom and dad. Man, uproot your life and go. Lean into what God is calling you to lean into. The temptation comes. Will I pursue my own desires? Or will I pursue what God is calling me to go pursue? Who will I choose? Will I choose him or will I choose me? Some of you have moved to Utah and you don't want to be here anymore. God brought you here. He placed you in in your neighborhood in which he's placed you. He's placed you in the office in which which he's placed you for his glory, for his fame, for his renown. And you're like, I don't really like it here anymore. I want to go back home where it was comfortable, where my family is, where my friends are. He places a task in front of you. Which will you love more? Will you love him or will you love yourself? Will you pursue his desires or will you pursue your own desires? Another example of this is God may reveal himself and draw us near to him by placing great suffering or hardships on those whom he loves. Not as a punishment, but as a loving and kind act The author of Hebrews says he disciplines the one he loves. He chastises those whom he receives. Those whom he loves, he does this to. 
so that we might rely on his strength and faithfully endure. The question then becomes, will you choose God or will you choose your own desire for comfort and wealth and health and riches? We see this in Paul. God places a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what that means, but we know that Paul prayed several times, remove this from me, remove this from me, remove this from me. And God says, no, I place that there and I'm keeping that there so that you will be dependent on me, so that you will lean on me, so that you will not turn towards the things of this world in order to, to find your peace, to find your health, to find your wealth, to find your purpose. Lean on me. Let me carry you through this. Let me bring you through to the other side. Not every suffering is from God. Not every pain, not every sorrow. But I think one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to find much more of it was than wasn't. Many of the things that bring us pain and sorrow are a loving act of God saying, come look at me. Depend on me. Let me be your strength when you are weak. Let me hold you up. Let me care for you. Depend on me. Let me draw you into greater depths of intimacy and greater depths of flourishing. When God tempts or tests us, our greatest danger is ourselves. This is why James can say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Lean into it. Depend on him. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under such trials. They're good for us. So what do we do in this moment? Here's what I want you to see. When we are tempted to say no to the right thing, we pray, Lord, keep me safe from myself. When we're tempted to say no to the right thing, we pray, Lord, keep me safe from myself. And one of the greatest examples of this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus moves into the garden on the, on the night that he is to be betrayed and arrested. He goes into the garden and he tells his disciples to do something. You guys remember what he tells them to do? Sorry, too many things at once. What does he say? He doesn't tell them to stay awake on the first time. He says something else. Pray. Do you remember what he says to pray for? Anybody remember? Twice he says this. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Stay here and pray that you may not enter into temptation. He knows what's coming for them. He knows that every support structure in their life is about to be ripped away. And the only thing that they can do is either give in and run for their lives or they can depend on God. So pray. Pray that you would be a one who depends on God rather than the one who depends on yourself. The greatest danger that you're about to face is yourself. Now, the night that he's going to be betrayed, the greatest danger you're about to face is not the Romans. It's not the Jewish leaders. It's yourself. You're going to want to run for your life. So stay here and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And then Jesus goes and stones through away, and he begins to pray. And he prays effectively. He prays the Lord's Prayer. He prays this. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, you are holy. You are powerful. All things are possible for you. When he turns to the daily bread, he says, remove this cup from me. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be arrested. I don't want to be taken from my friends. 
I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be flogged. I don't want to be nailed to the cross. I don't, I don't want it. So remove it from me. Yet, not what I will, but you will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and my life as it is in heaven. Protect me from myself. Protect me from my will. Protect me from my own desires. I want to desire you and your way and your purpose more than I desire myself. Jesus cries this out in the garden, and the Spirit of God strengthens him to the ability where he can take the cross on full face straight at it and say, that's where he's called me, that's where I'm going. Not because he wants to, but because he's been empowered by God, by the Spirit of God, to march straight towards the cross. Protect me from myself. Lead me not into temptation as a cry to God to keep me from choosing my desires over him. This is a prayer that we must pray every single day because if we do not, our desires will win out. We will choose ourselves. And our lives will be thrust into destruction and lesser levels of flourishing. We will not flourish if we choose our own desires. We must choose his desires over our own desires. But then we're led to the second piece of this prayer. And deliver us from evil. Or, as Peterson says, and the devil. And the devil. You see, actively, Satan leads us into evil. This is what God does not do. God places himself before us and says, will you choose me or will you choose your own desire? There's still a temptation there, but the temptation is for our good Satan is actively leading us into evil. God never tempts us to sin or towards sin or towards evil, but Satan is actively leveraging our desires to bring about evil outcomes in our life. Satan leverages Judas's desire for wealth in order to lead him into betraying Jesus. Satan leverages David's desire for lust in order to, to get him to sleep with Bathsheba. Satan is constantly leveraging our deepest desires, dangling the bait in front of us so that we might move towards evil. And so I want you to see this. When we are tempted to say yes to the wrong things, we pray, Lord, keep me safe from the devil. When we're tempted to pray yes to the wrong things, we pray, Lord, keep me safe from the devil. And I know that this is, for some of us, we're like, man, the devil, like this, that's weird. Like, what's going on? I, do we really need to pray that? Like, is the devil really out to get us? And the Bible makes it clear, right? He, he, is, he is prowling about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's who he is. It's what he does. He's called, in Matthew 4, he's called the tempter. It is who he is, constantly tempting us. Paul famously in Ephesians talks about this. He says, man, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil. This is who we are wrestling against. Things that are beyond us. And yet every day we think, I can fight this addiction. Oh, I, I, I can resist lust. 
I, I can do it. I, I'll just, you know, it's just, I'll just, I just need counseling. I, I, just need a, I just need a program. I just need, I just need, right? Listen, I'm not saying no to any of those things. Those are great things. But what Jesus commands us to is in every single moment of every single day, we're saying, Father, help me. Deliver me from the evil one. Keep me safe from the devil. Paul, in that passage, he goes on to talk about the armor of God. He says, therefore, since we're, since we're wrestling against these things, therefore, put on the armor of God. This is why we gather. This is why we have the word preached over, this, over us. This is why we sing the gospel over one another. This is why we in, in strengthen our faith. This is why we do all of the things we do. This is why we depend on the word of God. And yet, at the end of all that, Paul says, there's something that's even more important than all of that. He says this. He says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. At all the time, every day, in all ways, we're constantly praying that God would supply for our needs. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for the saints. We're praying for each other and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. When we, don't, when we are tempted to do to say yes to the things that we should say no to, we pray with all prayer and all supplication. When we see our friends tempted to say yes to things that they should say no to, we pray on their behalf. We're move, all temptation moves us to prayer because we're constantly dependent on God for our daily deliverance. And friends, I know there are things in your life right now that you need deliverance on. Maybe they're good things that God has laid before you and God says, I, I'm calling you to this. Come, will you leave your desires and come follow me? Under your own strength, you will not do that. Under your own power, you will not turn away from your own desires in order to pursue him. God has said, man, I want you out of that relationship so that you can pursue me more. This thing over here, it's destroying your life. Come turn away from that and turn towards me. Stay here and grind it out. Stay in your, then the job that you want to quit, stay there because I have something greater for you there. He's wooing you and pursuing you. Will you choose him over your own desires? The only way you're going to do that is if he supplies that for you. So we cry out. Others of us are tempted towards evil things. We're tempted to say yes to the wrong things. Satan knows exactly the buttons he needs to push in your life. He has studied you and he has mastered you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what lies beneath every sin in your life. He knows every weakness in your life. He knows what you are believing about yourself that is not true. He knows the buttons that he can push to instantly make you angry and allow you and to lead you into anger. He knows the buttons that he can push to instantly lead you into lust, to instantly lead you into greed. He knows exactly what he's doing and he's constantly prowling about your life. And Jesus says, what you need more than you need anything, just pray. You need God to show up and to deliver you from him. God can protect you from himself and he can protect you from Satan. He can do it and he longs to do it. Here's the good news. If God did not spare any expense in delivering us from our sins, if he gave up his most precious 
and most valuable thing, his own son. He says, I will give this up for your deliverance. What expense is he going to spare today for you? What's too much for him? What's he going to be like, no, I don't really feel like helping you today? Nothing. He is longing to step in. He is longing to help. He's waiting for you to ask. One of the things that we've talked about is God comes where he is wanted. Do you want him to wade into your sin? Do you want him to wade into your temptation? God comes where he is wanted. Will you ask? Will you lean on him? Will you depend on him? Will you increase your dependency? He stands ready to deliver you. And as James says in James 1.12, blessed is the man or woman who remains steadfast under trial. For when he or she has stood the test, they will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Do you love him more than you love yourself? I mean, he wants to help you do that. And so let's go to him now. Let's pray to that end. Let's bow our heads. I don't know what temptation you're struggling with right now. I don't know what God's laid before you or what hooks Satan has placed into your heart. But I know that all day, every day, you are surrounded by temptation. And the great deliverer wants to deliver you once again. So will you thrust yourself upon his mercy this morning? Will you depend completely upon him and nothing else? Father, would you expose the evil within us? Expose the things that are luring us and enticing us to desire the wrong things. Expose the areas in our life where our desires have won out, where we've chosen our comforts, our passivity, our health, our wealth, over the callings you've placed before us. The ministry that you've invited us into the kingdom that you're trying to build. Show us the places where Satan has absolutely got us. The noose is around our neck and he leads us where he wants to lead us. Show us. Show us our weakness. But remind us that in our weakness that you are made strong, that you have already overcome the evil one, and without any efforts of any kind, you can stamp him out of our life. And so we cry out to you. Father, protect us from ourselves and from the devil. Would you do that this morning? Would you rescue? Would you save another day? Come save us today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.